This is America on the Road, winner of the International Automotive Media Conference Gold Medal Award for Radio and now in its 26th year on the air. Thanks for being with us as we bring you the latest automotive information from around the world. Ford has just introduced a new low-priced off-road version of the F-150 pickup truck that is sure to be a hit, and we'll tell you all about that coming up. And car sales stalled big time in March, and we'll tell you why and what that could mean to you. America on the Road is brought to you by Mercury Insurance and DrivingToday.com. If you're looking to save some money, you should switch to Mercury for your auto and home insurance. Californians save an average of $670 with Mercury. So imagine how much you could save. Get a quote today at MercuryInsurance.com. Hi, I'm Jack D. Red, and with me is co-host Chris Teague. Chris lives at one end of the country, I live at the other, and each week we get together to talk about cars, the car industry, and how you can get more out of driving. And of course, Chris couldn't be with us last week, so I'm happy to welcome him back. Let me officially welcome you back, Chris. Welcome back. Yeah, it seems like I'm a bit of a slacker. I have some weeks off, and you you, will, you welcome me back frequently, So, uh, but I'm glad to be back uh, enjoying some very icy weather, not icy, icy cold weather here in Maine uh, to finish our our week off. And uh, how are things on your end of the country? We had pouring down rain this past week in Southern California. Of course, that makes the headlines and the streets fill up with water because <laughs> they don't do a great job of uh, making all that happen. But uh, I think we're back to normal now. Again, this isn't a weather show. Uh, although we have something that's kind of uh, approaching weather or uh, has to do with weather in our guest segment. Our special guest is Scott Kaplan. He's the co-founder of a company called Everwash, and it's an interesting new way to wash your car. Yes, interesting way to wash your car. So uh, we all wash our cars. We don't think about it much, but uh, he's got an interesting business around car washes. So we'll discuss that with him, Scott Kaplan. And in the road test segment, uh, Chris, what vehicle will you be describing for us this week? I'll be talking about the 2022 Volkswagen Golf GTI, a very sporty hatchback with some interesting uh, characteristics. Absolutely. And very close to your heart, I think. Uh, I think maybe you've actually expended money on a Volkswagen GTI. So <laughs> My own money, yes. Yeah, your own money. So that's a whole different kind of endorsement. And uh, we'll see whether you're, you're liking your investment in that. Uh, I got a chance to drive a vehicle that I'm sure you will endorse Chris, and it is the 2022 Toyota Venza. I drove. <laughs> uh, he's laughing, I know, because uh, we kid him about the Venza. I drove it in Fort Worth and Dallas just this last weekend, had a great time in it, and I'm becoming converted to the Toyota Venza, but that's a little hint about what we'll be talking about. Before we do any of that, we'll be bringing some of the most important auto-related news from around the world. So stay with us with Chris Teague, Jack Nerad with you right here on America on the Road, and we're so grateful you're with us. Welcome back to America on the Road with Chris Teague, Jack Redwood. We're so glad Chris is back with us after some travels last week. Always great to talk with him. And it is news time. And uh, Ford Motor Company is making news with a new version of the F-150. They call it the Rattler. And uh, it's a new low-priced, and I like the word low-priced because we don't hear that very much, F-150 pickup truck that's meant for off-road. And it's got a lot of great stuff in it. Number one is uh, ruggedly styled. Of course, you want to, if you're going off-road, you want to look like you're doing that. So you want something that's uh, 
stylish in that manner, you know, rugged, manly. You know, I was down at Fort Worth and Dallas, and every vehicle I saw was a pickup truck. <laughs> in, in the hotel I was staying, uh, it was nothing but pickup trucks. And the Cattlemen's Convention was in town, so there were a lot of guys wearing cowboy hats, too. It was really uh, kind of fun to be in Fort Worth and, and seeing all that happen. Uh, but back to the Rattler. Uh, it's built on the XL series. Uh, it has a lot of FX4 content, uh, including skid plates, so that's good. Uh, electronic rear locking differential, that helps with traction, of course. It has hill descent control, which is nice with uh, all-wheel drive or four-wheel drive. And uh, specially tuned off-road shock absorbers. So all in all, it's got the right stuff, all-terrain tires as well. I, I like those uh, high-profile tires that they use on off-road vehicles. I think they're starting to look cool to me. Uh, what's your take on that, Chris? I agree. When I was younger, it was all about low-profile tires and as little rubber as you could possibly stretch around the wheel. Uh, but now, you know, I think my back and my, my age are, are screaming when I go over uh, potholes and things here in Maine. So, you know, the, the extra rubber gives some padding and makes things more comfortable. Plus, they look great, too. I have no problem with it at all. Yeah, I think whether it's an old school look or new school from old school or all, you know, retro or whatever, they have this vehicle has 18 inch aluminum wheels. We're seeing a lot of vehicles now that have 20 inch wheels, 22 inch wheels. We're writing all, uh, about all kinds of stuff like that. So this obviously has pretty serious rubber, uh, serious sidewalls, which is great for off roading. It's the way it should be. Uh, these are painted aluminum wheels. I'm not sure about painted aluminum wheels these days, but we're seeing a lot of that. Uh, it also has a dual exhaust system, a special badging, of course, because uh, and it's uh, Rattlesnake-inspired. Of course, Rattler is the rattlesnake. And then interior things, including bronze accents. And I know you're a bit of a bronze fan. How do you feel about bronze accents in this thing? <laughs> you know, I think, so first of all, the XL is is kind of a, is a more basic model of the, the F-150. Anyway, I think the bronze accents add quite a bit to the interior so it's not just sort of a black cave that you're sitting in uh it makes it feel a little bit more upscale i mean you're, you're not paying a ton more at least i assume you won't for this package over the thirty thousand dollar base price so i think it's a great a great uh touch for a, an entry-level truck yeah i think they're going to sell a ton of these things it comes in uh, various uh colors uh which are interesting including one that has a name that i just had to mention uh i actually have it highlighted in its own color and it's called anti-matter blue and I'm wondering what the hell that is, actually. It's uh, They use it on the Bronco and the Bronco Sport, I believe. It's that sort of, uh, it almost has a matte look to it, but uh, it's very subtle blue. It's almost gray, gray blue, but ah. uh, I like it. Yeah, well, it sounds good. And uh, So uh, the F-150 Rattler will be a 2023 model, go on sale this fall. And as you alluded to, I think it'll be pretty inexpensive, probably under $40,000, $40, which these days is inexpensive for a brand new 4x4 truck, so... Uh, look for that. Shifting gears a little bit, uh, we've had a fairly strong auto market uh, up till now, but in March, sales kind of hit a dead end. And I think a lot of it has to do with inventory, but also you have a war going on. <laughs> that certainly doesn't help things. You have uh, fuel prices going through the roof. They're close to $7 here in Southern California these days. So uh, $7 a gallon is just beyond anything we've ever seen, and, and we've seen it all, uh, you know, uh, in Southern California. Sales are, are, are down about 24% in March uh, versus March of uh, last year, down 16% for the first quarter. This is at least according to uh, predictions from Cox Automotive. So 
we'll see. Uh, the prediction for the overall market for the year is down from about 16 million units to 15.3 million vehicles. Um, and again, a lot of this has to do with uh, inventories, but you also have uh, the less affluent, shall we say, people people who don't have a ton of money being priced out of the market. It's a very difficult time to buy a car when uh, most vehicles are going at sticker and above. People with a household income of less than $75,000 are just not buying cars the way they used to. Yeah, and we've talked about markups and, and things like that in the past. And, and regardless of my personal opinions about it, if you're having trouble affording a car to begin with, and you know, as we know, cars of all types are becoming more expensive, uh, first of all, having a difficulty to find the model that you want is a big problem, but then also having to pay either a little bit above MSRP or even MSRP for some people can be a hardship today. So uh, I can see where, where you're coming from with, with some of those explanations. Yeah, I mean, we just characterized the Rattler as uh, probably a, a really good value at uh, $40,000 or so. And, you know, that's a guesstimate as to what it would it would cost. But, uh, you know, that's a heck of a lot of money uh, for most people uh, and a, a big percentage of their uh, overall income. And you have to look at that as uh, just a word to the wise here. You know, you're stretching out payments and stretching out payments to uh, make uh, make them affordable. But it's it's a tough time, I think. And uh, you might want to consider some something other than a brand new vehicle these days. Uh, you know, a good two-year-old or three-year-old used vehicle might be a, a good alternative for you. Yeah, and prices there are still strong, but at least you can find some used vehicles on sale right now. Right. Well, something we hear about a lot when we're on events, and uh, car makers are talking about it a lot, is over-the-air updates for the software in the vehicles. Uh, we've talked about it uh, with Tesla, for example, uh, you know, fixing things where they've had problems. But uh, most of the manufacturers are, are now trying to institute this. And this uh, helps them with um, electronic systems that might just not be perfect out of the box, which is kind of a shame, but... Uh, it does happen. What's your take on these over-the-air updates? I, I personally would love to see uh, vehicles really work well from the get-go and not need this, but uh, what's your take? I think, yes, first of all, I would love to see them roll out without needing an update. But, you know, you, you buy a new phone and it comes out of the box and you have to update it, all those things. So uh, I can see the reasoning behind it. The real exciting thing about OTAs or over-the-air updates for me is that the automakers can add or bolster the functionality of existing features uh, as they set. So, uh, you know, you might be able to add a new uh, infotainment uh, feature. I'm blanking on what that might be, but uh, you know, they can they can add all sorts of stuff after the fact. So there are other uses for it. But to agree with you, I do think that it would be nice to not need an update right out of the box. Some of these uh, semi-autonomous drive features, I think, are available uh, as over-the-air updates, or might be, or an over-the-air update may be accompanied by some other things as well. Uh, we'll have to see what happens there. Uh, certainly, infotainment problems, navigation problems, those are big, big problems, as J.D. Power points out in their initial quality studies. And, uh, you know, I'm quoting David Sargent here, a guy who's been on our show. Well over half of the problems in these studies come from those kinds of things. And so if uh, a manufacturer can fix them with an over-the-air update, uh, that's a great thing. But another thing that... Uh, manufacturers are looking to do with over-the-air updates or over-the-air uh, communications is get people to buy stuff. Uh, and it's interesting. I think they they look at uh, the customer in the car, and that's why there was such a battle over uh, Android Auto and Apple CarPlay, for example, as a, a, a captive customer. Uh, 
How do you think that's going to develop? You think a lot of people are going to take advantage of buying stuff via their car and smartphone apps? Oh, man, I really hope not. <laughs> uh, just make the car a car. I mean, give me a nice stereo, some navigation. Apple CarPlay is great. Uh, but, you know, we've talked about this before. The in-car marketplace idea, I mean, do you really need it? You already have those apps on your phone in most cases. I mean, I already have Amazon, Zillow, Zappos, and the whole crew on my phone. So, I mean, I don't really think I need it in my car. Yeah, I mean, when you're sitting, uh, you know, at a stoplight, do you need to buy some shoes? I mean, I just kind of don't understand that. Uh, and maybe you need snacks, but I kind of like to go into the gas station and uh, see what they got. You know, do they have the pork rinds I want or, you know, what do they have? I mean, maybe I could see paying money for an extra app or functionality for your car. But, uh, you know, again, like you say, buying shoes from a stoplight or whatever the case might be, is just a little little too much for me. Yeah, well, we'll see how that develops. But uh that is coming soon to a dashboard near you, so look for that. And uh, when we come back, we're going to be doing some road testing, including the road testing of uh, the Volkswagen GTI. I really look forward to uh, Chris's talk about that. And I was driving uh, the Toyota Venza, so you'll hear about me and my, my travels with my daughter. So stay with us for that. We'll be right back right here on America on the Road. Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road with Chris T. This is Jackie Red back with you. And uh, we're so glad Chris is back with us after a little travels last week. Uh, uh, and he has a really interesting vehicle to talk about here in road test time. And that's where we are. This is road test time on America on the Road. So, Chris, uh, take it away with the Volkswagen GTI. Yeah. So I normally say this week I was driving the whatever, but uh, I actually own this car. So for the next three years, I will be driving the 2022 uh, Volkswagen Golf GTI. Uh, this car starts at around $30,000. First of all, let me back up this brand new car for the 2022 model year. So Volkswagen killed most of the Golf lineup and only left the GTI and the Golf R in America for 2022. And it's all new. So this is the eighth generation Golf. Uh, eighth generation GTI because we don't get the regular golf here anymore. Uh, but it starts at around $30,000. Um, I tested and I own the mid-range SE trim. So uh, it starts at around $35,000. My car has the optional leather package, which uh, adds leather seats, um, heated seats, and a few other heated ventilated seats, I should say, and a heated steering wheel, which brought the price to around $38,000. Uh, the top Autobahn trim is around $39,000. Um, it's very nice. It adds uh, adaptive suspension, 19-inch wheels. Uh, but as we talk about inventory shortages, I could not find an Audubon trim to buy in the, the color or anywhere near a color that I would actually drive around on a daily basis. They, uh, this car is powered by a turbocharged uh, 2.0-liter four-cylinder engine. It makes 241 horsepower, 273 pound-feet of torque. Uh, it comes standard with a six-speed manual gearbox. Mine has the seven-speed dual-clutch automatic and Jack, I'm going to pause here and ask you your opinion of Volkswagen's DCT or dual clutch automatic transmissions. I think they call it a DSG. Uh, I think it's excellent. What are your opinions? Yeah, I've always liked them. And uh, I think that's the future. Uh, that's the future of uh, choose your gear transmissions, right? Or the present, maybe. Uh, they're certainly not new these days. I think they've been around for a good dozen years at least. But I think there's a great solution. And, uh, you know, not having to fiddle with the clutch pedal and do all that. I, you know, I love an old school manual transmission. Uh, I'm, I'm fine with that, but uh, geez, I like the quick uh, gear engagement of a uh, DSG. I agree. And I was on the hunt for a manual gearbox in this car simply because I think that it's one of the last gas powered hot hatches that Volkswagen will make. 
uh, going forward. So I really wanted a, a six-speed, but I uh, found the seven-speed, and I'm perfectly happy with it. As you mentioned, it, it shifts very quickly. It's responsive. Uh, it behaves just enough like a manual transmission to keep you engaged with the driving experience so you're not just blindly pressing the pedal and going on. You do need to think about you know, how you gas and brake at certain points in time uh, to keep the, the transmission geared properly. Uh, my car does not have the adaptive suspension, but the 18-inch wheels that my car came with and the standard suspension uh, do just fine. Uh, the ride is a little rough, as you would expect. It is a sports sporty car, I should say. And as we talked about earlier with high-profile tires, uh, they do better at soaking up bumps than the low-profile tires that my car has on it. Uh, I'll make the point here that I chose this car over an SUV. I have two kids, and I'm six feet tall, and we have a dog now, and we haul all sorts of stuff and people around everywhere. Uh, I chose this car just because I wanted a more easily maneuverable vehicle, and, and I got exactly that. Uh, the front-wheel drive... Uh, and and the limited slip differential provide great traction. The car pulls really strong, and it sounds pretty good for a four-cylinder. It's got a dual dual exhaust, um, but I chose it because I wanted the engagement and the the maneuverability, which I got over an SUV. And I still have a hatchback with reasonable uh, cargo space. So inside, you know, we talk about sometimes me being six feet tall, Jack. You always love to make fun of me uh, putting my height out there. Well, can I do but it, it now? Something... I, I yeah, thought I'd just do it now. Yeah, it's just, you're six feet tall. That's good. <laughs> Glad to hear that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but when we, so I usually, I'd already driven a Golf and I knew that the, the back seats were going to be a little tight for my kids, but I took them and we test drove this car. And, you know, though it's very close to the the, the Generation 7 or the generation before this, this model, um, we had enough room. My kids are now in booster seats as opposed to the full-size car seats. Uh, they don't have, uh, you know, to bump their heads on the car to get in. And uh, there's plenty of room. You know, we're still in big winter boots here, so there is some, some foot room or leg room issues for the kids. Uh, but they do well. I strapped my dog into the front seat into his car seat, and uh, he seems to be just fine with it. You know, I think that uh, it's a very comfortable car. The seats are deeply bolstered up front. So, uh, you know, when I decide to sling my kids around on the back seat by going a little bit too quickly, uh, I am hold held perfectly in place while they slide around in the back seat a little bit. Uh, the leather package adds a lot to the golf on the inside. I think, you know, the the plaid is the is the standard and is the iconic pattern on the inside of this car. But leather, it just makes it so much nicer. And the ventilated seats will be nice here in the in the summertime. Uh, the infotainment system is one of the one of the complaints that I have about this car. It comes standard with uh, an 8.25 inch touchscreen system, but uh, my car has the upgraded 10 10 inch touchscreen. It's got Apple CarPlay, wireless Apple CarPlay, and Android Auto uh, USB inputs. Uh, one of the things that really you know bugs people, and and this is one of the things I saw that people talked about before I bought the car, is touch inputs for everything. There's no volume knobs. There's no climate control. Anything of that sort. It's all capacitive touch, uh, which can be a little confusing at times, but after a while you get used to it and uh, I don't really even notice it anymore. So I think that that shouldn't be the thing that holds you back from this car. Uh, but if you don't need tons of space and you want a great maneuverable vehicle, I think this is the one to pick. Yeah. It sounds like you have no buyer's remorse whatsoever, which I'm pleased to hear. And it's a blast. I, I, I heartily endorse that choice. And uh, I think you're going to have tons of fun with it for many years to come. So well done. Good for you. Thank you. I was driving a vehicle that I think, uh, Chris, we've, uh, I, we talk a bit about me kidding you about your height. This is a vehicle we've kidded you about, too, your, uh, your love for the Toyota Venza, uh, which in the past was, I think, one of the dullest vehicles of all time. <laughs> uh, and at the same time, I'm now a convert. I'm a big fan of the current Venza. Uh, I was down in Dallas-Fort Worth area visiting uh, two of my daughters uh, over this past weekend, 
had a blast with the Venza. Uh, I just loved everything about it. I like the way it looks. I like the way it is inside. Uh, I like the powertrain. It's all hybrid. I think that's one of the things that uh, has um, upgraded it in my estimation is the fact that they've gone all hybrid all the time in the Venza. I think thus it is an excellent value. Uh, both when you purchase it and get all that hybrid stuff. And then uh, fuel economy is terrific, especially in these days of $7 gasoline, although it's about half that in, in Texas, uh, happily, uh, this past weekend. Uh, a lot of safety and driver assist features. It's just kind of a premium vehicle. And I think it's a good-looking vehicle, too. I mean, what's your overall take on the current Venza, Chris? You know, I think they did a good job bringing it back in the form that they did. So you mentioned hybrid standard. You get great fuel economy. It's a little bit more upscale than something like a RAV4 is out of the box. So you get a little bit better features in the base model. I love the styling. It's sleek. The driving experience is not super exciting, but that's the point, I think, with one of these vehicles. It's kind of sedate and calming. Uh, and all around, I think they did a great job. If you take it for what it is and you don't expect it to be sporty or fast, I think you'll be very happy. Yeah, and it's fast enough uh, and uh, yes. will allow you to beat everybody else away from the stoplight if you're paying attention, which I found I could do in pretty much any car anyway. So <laughs> so uh, <laughs> uh, this is one of those vehicles that's hard to classify because it's not exactly a car. It's not exactly a crossover. You could say, in a way, it's a station wagon, uh, You know, something that car testers always love. Not exactly that either. I like I say, difficult to classify. Uh, a two-box design, very efficient uh, with a, a hatchback. A, a lot of cargo space, I think. I think if uh, memory serves, it's got something like uh, 28 cubic feet of cargo space, which is a lot of interior space. And I think a, a really nicely done interior, a, an interesting interior. There was a time when Toyota interiors were serviceable, but no more than that. And I think the Venza takes that uh, a long way toward luxury. It's not exactly luxurious, but uh, it certainly is a nice interior and uh, I think laid out in an interesting way. I agree. You know, like appearance and beauty are in the eye of the beholder, but, you know, the Venza has interesting styling inside, so it doesn't feel like you're just sitting in a punishing economy car the whole time, uh, which goes a long way to the overall appeal of the car. We had a limited trim model, uh, about $40,000 base price, and it had luxury features like puddle lights with the Venza logo. Very cool when you're pulling into the barbecue restaurant in Fort Worth. And there's the Venza logo. It has a digital rearview mirror, uh, something I have a tendency to turn off and go to the conventional rearview mirror. There's times when I like the digital rearview mirror, and other times it just kind of bugs me, so uh, I'm Luddite enough to uh, just go with the the one I know. It does have a surround view camera uh, enabling you to parallel park, something I've mastered uh, years ago. I had to master that to pass my driver's test many, many decades ago. Uh, it has heated steering wheel, touch sensitive climate controls. I like the perforated front seats, very upscale, ventilated and heated. Uh, needed more ventilation than heat in uh, Fort Worth at 86 degrees uh, over that past weekend. Toyota, in my estimation, has really improved their infotainment systems markedly in this 12.3-inch infotainment touchscreen. And uh, the associated JBL audio system worked wonderfully well. Uh, really easy to integrate Apple CarPlay and uh, get the navigation that I needed to get from Fort Worth to Dallas, from uh, one of my daughter's houses to the other. Uh, worked out well. Uh, tons of economy. From the 2.5-liter four-cylinder engine that has front and rear electric motors, it's all-wheel drive. Uh, didn't have much use for all-wheel drive where I was driving, but uh, 
it worked out very, very well. 219 horsepower with a lot of torque um, translates into a, a pretty nice driving experience. Certainly nice on the, uh, the crazy expressways and freeways around Dallas-Fort Worth. Uh, so all in all, I like the Venza a lot. I think at $40,000, uh, if you're looking for yeah, a stylish and economical vehicle to transport up to five people, I think you'd find it in the Toyota Venza. I think you'd like that vehicle a lot. And I got to believe, Chris, you'd endorse my opinion on that. I absolutely do. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you'll enjoy it when you drive it the next time you do drive it. And when we come, come back, we're going to have a very special guest for you. We have an interesting interview. I guarantee it's interesting about a company called Everwash. Yes, this is about washing your car. But it's a business around washing your car, and I think a, a new way to go about doing that. So stay with us for the interview with Scott Kaplan, who is the co-founder of Everwash. We'll be chatting with him about that when we come back. So uh, with Chris Teague, this is Jack Red with you. And we're so glad you're with us right here on America on the Road. Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road. Jack Red back with you. We have a really interesting guest for you. And uh, we're going to be talking a bit about something that a lot of us do all the time, and yet it doesn't get a, a ton of attention, and that's washing your car. And uh, Scott Kaplan is our guest. He's co-founder of a company called Everwash, and they're kind of changing the way you might think about washing your car. First, Scott, uh, thanks so much for being with us. We appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me today. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Well, as I kind of alluded to, uh, we wash our cars all the time. Uh, you know, some of us wash our cars in our driveway. Many of us go to a commercial car wash. Uh, that's becoming a more and more palatable way to do it because it, uh, for one reason or another, it doesn't waste water uh, is, is one good reason. But uh, tell us a bit about Everwash and your idea because it's uh, something new, something pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we've been uh, we've been in the car wash space for about six years now. Our background is from the fitness industry. So my partner and I been in the gym business for you know twenty five plus years. I owned and operated a chain of fitness centers in the Philadelphia, New Jersey market, and then my partner John had started a company called Global Fit. What he did was he networked fitness centers all over the country and then sold memberships uh, through large employers as an employee benefit. So about six years ago, we I sold my gyms and he was no longer working at Global Fit. He had sort of was semi-retired. And we saw what was going on in the car wash space and really saw that some people were selling memberships but weren't really doing it the way we did it in the gym business. So we thought that if we can create uh, a network like we did in the in the in the fitness industry and get these these car wash owners to act more like fitness centers and sell memberships, you know, it could really be a win-win. It's a win-win. It's it's great for the consumer because they get essentially unlimited use to a wash, and it's great for the wash owner because we figured out that you know it's it's much better for the wash because they get this this recurring revenue stream coming in. And, you know, weather is a big uh, problem in the in the car wash industry. The industry loses about 80 days a year just to weather. So it was just a it was a great, great thing for both sides of the business. And we saw car washing as sort of a, a broken business model, the way they, they sort of were, were operating, starting at zero every day. This way, 
instead of that, you're, you're essentially selling memberships and you have this membership base that you can grow and, um, and, and the consumer has a clean car and, and, and everybody wins. Tell us how it works from the consumer side. I, I'm a consumer and I decide to get an Everwash membership. What are my benefits? Uh, where do I go from there? Yeah, so how we work with, a, with car washes is essentially a car wash gets on our, our, our platform, which is essentially a marketplace network. And then we, all, we market at the car wash with signage. We commission the attendance at the wash uh, to sell memberships. And then we also sell memberships to our channel partners um, like T-Mobile, uh, which is one of our channel partners. So essentially what we're doing and what we're creating is the first real true consumer brand in the car wash space. So a customer would see one of our ads, they would download our app, they could sign up to a location that geolocates where they are, and they could sign up. It's a month-to-month -month membership. The average price of our memberships right now is about $28 a month, which gives you unlimited use to the wash location that you sign up to. But we, you know, we we are price agnostic, so it really depends on the market you're in. We have car washes, you know, that are nine ninety nine a month, and ones that are a hundred dollars a month. It really, just depends on where the car wash is located in the country. But essentially, what it gives the consumer is this unlimited use to the wash. They can come get their car washed every day, manage their membership directly from their smartphone, and um, you know, and again, we we sell it as you'll have the cleanest car in the neighborhood. Come and get your car washed every day. Are the consumers tied to a particular car wash or can they use the network of car washes, the Everwash car washes, if they had a hankering to? Yeah, it's a great question. So in some markets, we have created a network where they can use any wash in the network and other locations. You know, if you own 10 locations, we can we can network those locations so you can use any, any of those locations as a member. But... Um, essentially what we also selling is sort of an all network pass where let's say for an additional $5 a month, you can use any car wash in the network. Yeah. So that's kind of an upsell. Correct. Tell us a little bit about the car wash business. You know, I don't know a ton about it. It strikes me that uh, a lot of car washes are onesie twosies. I don't know of a national car wash chain. Certainly they're probably, uh, you know, regional chains. Give us a background on that. Yeah, so it's again very fragmented business. There's really no national player. Let's say there's about sixty thousand car washes in the country, um, which is a big number. And um, if you're, you know, essentially, if you have fourteen or more locations in the car wash business, you're probably a top fifty player. Meaning, it only takes fourteen locations for you to be a big player in the car wash space. So we're essentially taking a fragmented business, creating this monster network out of it, and using that network to create these huge partnerships to drive huge market share to our wash partners. So essentially, you know, what we say we are, we're essentially DoorDash for membership, you know, at a car wash. Got it. So how about branding overall? Do you push the Everwash brand? Do you push the, the brand of the particular local car wash? I mean, how does that work? Uh, because, uh, you know, consistency of, uh, of service probably makes a lot of sense. I mean, that's, that's why McDonald's got gigantic, right? Is, uh, you know what you're going to get. Yep. Yeah. And essentially what we are is, you know, it's, 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 it's Jack's car wash membership powered by Everwash. So it's, it's really, we're branding, we, we, we're branding the car wash locations on the app. So everybody knows what locations are and we're essentially managing the, that member and the member experience. 
So you could say we're, you know, just like Travelocity or DoorDash for restaurants. What should a consumer think about when they think about Everwash? I mean, what do you want them to take away? Yeah, I mean, what, what our goal as a company is to, you know, be, you know, the consumer brand in the car wash space and have a, a, a wa- one of our wash partner locations within five miles of every American. And your goal is not to uh, own car washes. Your your goal is to connect car or connect the consumer with existing car washes and, and car washes to come. It's, it strikes me. That's correct. That's that's we do not. We are a tech platform marketplace. And uh, our goal is to just uh, scale the marketplace that essentially we can drive new customers to our wash partners. So give us some background about how the app works and, and how it what it's like to create an app like this that then can essentially go national. I, I, I'd love to learn that. Yeah, I mean, you know, so my partner and I are not uh, tech people. We are business guys uh, and it is a tremendous lift to create. Um, and it's never ending to create the technology and, and stay ahead of really what's happening. So we've got a, a full team of, of, uh, of developers working for us uh, and it's, it's never ending. So I, w- I would say that, um, you know, when we got into this, we're like, oh, you just build an app. It's, it's pretty, you know, it's pretty easy, but it is, it is, it is quite a lift to get this, um, to build this and to scale to the levels that we're scaling at. <laughs> At the same time, there's a lot of leverage there because you don't really have uh, a bazillion employees. You ha- have a fairly small staff for something that's essentially a national brand. Yeah, it's a, it's great. I mean, you know, with what we're doing, um, that's why we love this so much. I mean, we come, you know, I come from a very capital intensive business from the gym business and the car wash business is very capital intensive also. That's why you don't see that many, you know, huge, huge players in the market because it, it is expensive to build and operate. Um, so we can run, you know, Everwash has about 50 employees right now. And uh, we run right now about 800 locations nationwide. And we put on, we're, right now we're putting on about 25 to 30 new locations a month in scaling. So we can essentially run a, a really big business with a, a very small staff. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, how do you go about choosing the locations? I, there's probably some degree of quality that you want to have. It strikes me that you know most car washes wash your car and it comes out pretty clean. I mean, uh, are there quality standards that you uh, put together? We do, of course. You know, certainly it's important that the that the car wash is is washing is washing a good car and that the service is is good. I mean, obviously we we are partners with them. We only win if the car wash wins because. The way our business works is it's really a, a commission on the sales that we make. So it's it's important that these washes are are quality and and yes, we we want to make sure that uh, they are they are putting out a clean car. It's very important for us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, I think overall quality of operation. At the same time, it strikes me that uh, you know we hear so much about subscriptions these days, and this essentially, I guess, is a, a subscription for car washes. Talk a bit about that business model. Yeah, I mean, you know, we are, you know, we we've been selling memberships our whole lives in the gym business. Um, so, I mean, you know, selling a membership at a gym is, you know, you're asking somebody to come in, lift weights, run on a treadmill, take a class, which is great, but you know, it's 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 a it's it's a much harder membership to sell. And in the gym business, you know, we were only really dealing with about 90% of the population that are actually members to fitness centers. 
So you got a very small market of, of consumers actually marketing to is trying to get people to work out. But in the car wash business, you know, everybody's got a car and it's a it's a really much easier membership to sell because, you know, getting your car wash feels good. You know, the car drives better and it, the music sounds better in a clean car. So it's just a it's just a much bigger opportunity for us because, you know, these these car washes can have a lot of members way more than a, than a gym can have because of the volume of cars that come into these locations. I mean, it really makes sense. Everybody likes a clean car. I get a, a, a little jolt, uh, you know, a little adrenaline jolt, I guess, after I've uh, gone through the car wash locally and uh, drive out with the, the clean car. And I, I can see that uh, as being a, a, a good selling point. How do uh, consumers reach you and, and uh, sign up for memberships, do all that good stuff? Yeah, it's, it's very easy. I mean, you could, you could just go to the App Store or Google Play, uh, download the Everwash app. Um, it, would, you, it would search and show you the closest locations to, to where you live or where you work. And you could choose a location and sign up right from there, right from your phone. It's very easy to, to sign up and, um, and manage your whole uh, membership directly from the phone. Do you uh, essentially kind of offer a discount? Is a money-saving part of the offer or just convenience is the big part of your offer, Scott? So we do we do run promotions, you know, for for, for first time users. Um, we do a lot of trial memberships. So if you if you want to try before you buy, we we do offer those for through some channel partners. So there's a lot of different ways to sign up. And again, what we're really trying to do is you know get the average consumer that didn't necessarily use the wash consistently now wash your car on a consistent basis. Yeah. And that's got to make you feel good about yourself every time you do that. It does. It, it feels great. And, you know, most you know people that are driving a clean car are happier. What should I have asked you that I haven't asked you about your business, Scott? I mean, I think you asked some really good questions. I, I really think that, you know, I, I would say that, you know, car washing is not at the top of people's minds, you know, sort of not most people, unless there's bad weather or like the, in the Northeast when it snows or there's salt on the road or pollen season. Um, that's when people think about car washing. Um, but we'd like, you know, what we're trying to do is get people to think about it more and be be that first brand that gets people to to come to the wash. And really, what we're trying to do is change the consumer's behavior to go wash their car more. Are you looking for investment? Or are you uh, self-funding? How are you doing that? We initially raised a, a little bit of money. Most We did put some money in ourselves. And then recently, we've done um, a few different rounds of investment. Um, and at this point, we're pretty well capitalized. And, um, you know... We think uh, we think we could take this business uh, to five, ten thousand locations over the next few years. It's exciting. Yeah, it's very exciting. Well, I, I'm so glad to have uh, spoken with you. Thanks so much for sharing all this with our listeners. We really do appreciate it. Scott Kaplan, co-founder of Everwash. Look for that app on at your app store, your uh, favorite app store there, and uh, go on from there and uh, get that uh, little buzz from getting your car clean on a regular basis. Thank you so much, Jack. Appreciate the time. Stay with us, everybody. We'll be right back. Welcome back to America on the Road. It is the final segment of this week. Oh, it flies by when I'm talking with Chris about cars. And uh, we're so glad Chris is back with us uh, for this edition of America on the Road. It is listener question time. And uh, I think I've got a good listener question for you. Here it is from Belinda in Frankfort, Kentucky. Belinda says this. I have a family of five, and I'm wondering what you think is the best choice for a new vehicle. I'd like to spend less than $50,000 if that's possible. Wow, that's a big number. 
but uh, <laughs> it might not be possible. What do you think? Well, what do I think? So family of five, I think at that point I would be looking at a three row SUV because just because three across in the back seat can become stressful for whomever is back there. Uh, the Kia Telluride is a great choice. It tops out at around $50,000, but you can get a mid-range trim for less than that. Uh, the Mazda CX-9 is a great choice as well. It's got a great driving dynamics. It looks great. The third row is a little tight, though. Um, and then I think, you know, you could do a sedan if you want, but again, then you're looking at three, three across in the back. So I think I would stick with the Telluride or the Mazda. Yeah. And I'd point to the Hyundai Palisade, which is very similar to the Telluride, at least mechanically. It looks different and, uh, maybe, um, you might be able to make a better deal. It seems like the Telluride is the, is kind of has the it thing going for it. Uh, but the Palisade, very similar mechanically. There's a, 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 actually things about the Palisade I like better than the Telluride. And so I would look at both of those. Of course, there are the usual suspects out there, too. Uh, the Honda Pilot, you probably get one for uh, less than 50K. Uh, very minivan-like in its own way. And then I wouldn't be averse to looking at a minivan either. I think in terms of cost-effective transportation for a family of five and probably going to haul around some friends, a minivan uh, like the Honda Odyssey or the uh, new Kia Carnival is a a spectacular vehicle too. I, I think those are ones to look at as well. I agree. I didn't even think about a minivan. That's a great call. Yeah, Toyota Sienna is another one that I would think. And uh, we kind of praised the Venza with its hybrid powertrain. The Sienna has a very similar hybrid hybrid powertrain. So another one to take a look at. So uh, really a lot of good choices still under $50,000. I'm glad to hear that. And I hope we've answered Belinda's question. And I'd like to thank Chris for being back with us. Thanks for having me, Jack, and thanks, everybody, for listening. I will say if you like what you heard and you want to take us with you, you can check the sportsmapradio.com website and check out the Saturday morning schedule. There you can find our original Apple podcast as well as a radio-formatted recording. You absolutely can, and our thanks to the SportsMap Radio Network stations for carrying America on the road. We do appreciate that. And most of all, we appreciate you being out there listening to us on America on the Road. Chris and I love to talk about cars, and We do it because you're out there listening to us. So thanks for being with us. And uh, join us again right here next week for another edition of America on the Road. America on the Road is brought to you by Mercury Insurance and DrivingToday.com. If you're looking to save some money, you should switch to Mercury for your auto and home insurance. California would save an average of $670 with Mercury, so imagine how much you could save. Get a quote today at MercuryInsurance.com. And if you're looking to buy a new car or used car, just care about cars, visit DrivingToday.com, where there's always something new about cars. DrivingToday.com, the official automotive website of America on the road. That's DrivingToday.com.